In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, September 29th, and so for us today, is set aside in the church to remember St. Michael and all the angels, and this is good for us. There is an unseen reality that surrounds us every day, in our, uh, even in this room, in our homes, in church, where we work, everywhere we go. We are surrounded by the Lord's angels. We cannot see them, but they are there. And they, the Scriptures say, guard and protect us. We have the doctrine of the guardian angels, in fact, from the Gospel reading that we heard this morning. Matthew 18, verse 10, which, where, where Jesus says, See that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I tell you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. So we have this unseen reality, and it's good for us simply to remember it. But in this unseen reality of angels, there are also the demons. While the angels are sent from God to serve Him and to serve us, the demons are fighting against God and against His Word and against His church, against us. The demons surround us to attack us, to tempt us, to bring all that they have against us so that we might fall into unbelief and despair and other great shame and vice. So we are surrounded by an unseen reality. And this affects us. It matters to us. But we often forget it. Out of sight, out of mind. St. Michael and All Angels Day then is this beautiful opportunity to pause and reflect on the reality that we do not see, on the battles that are all around us, on the protection of God's holy angels and the, and the threat of the demons and what this means. But there's even more, and especially in our text this morning, the epistle lesson from the revelation of Jesus that he gave to John, that text shows us not only the, the hidden realities that are on earth and surrounding us, but also the hidden realities that are in heaven. This Revelation chapter 12 is absolutely beautiful and it's full of comfort and full of life for us as it un, unfolds the reality of what is happening before the, before the throne of God. But Revelation is often a, a troubling book for many people. And so a few words of preface. Many people approach the book of Revelation with trepidation. It is, after all, full of very strange things. But when we look at the book as a whole, we can see a, a marvelous pattern unfold. In fact, here's a bit of an introduction. The word revelation means unveiling. Like a, a bride at a wedding who has a veil covering her face, and then the veil is lifted by her father. Her face is revealed. That's what revelation means, to take the veil off. So the book of Revelation is that very thing. It's an, it's an unveiling. But what is it an unveiling of? Most people would say that the book of Revelation is the unveiling of the end of time. The unveiling of the things that will happen in the, in the few years before the return of Jesus. But that's not what the book itself says. Here's the very first verse. Revelation chapter 1, verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave Him to show to His servants 
those things which will soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John. This book, this text, the revelation given to John, is a revelation of Jesus himself. It's wonderful and comforting precisely because of this. So that the Lord's church, through the vision given to John on Patmos, is to see in the midst of all of her trouble and all of her persecution, above all, the face of Jesus. And here's how this revelation works. John will see in a vision all of the troubles in this earth. Bowls of wrath, trumpet blasts of trouble, all sorts of terrible things that are happening in the world. And just when you've just had your you're full of it and you think that the devil is in charge of this world and that everything around us is going to hell in a handbasket, then whoosh, John is taken to heaven to, to peek on things there, to see what's happening there. And behold, in heaven there's a throne and on that throne is Jesus, the one crucified, buried and raised for you, the lamb who was slain in the midst of all of the trouble in this earth. Jesus is still on the throne. And then after we've been in, uh, in the book of Revelation, after we've been in heaven for a little while and we've seen Jesus on the throne, then we're, we're back down to the troubles of this life with beasts and whores and dragons and destroying horsemen and rivers flowing with blood and all sorts of terrible things. And just when you're on the edge of despair, whoosh, back to heaven. Let's check. Yes, Jesus, our Jesus is still there. On the throne. And the saints and the angels are surrounding him, singing his praises. The highlight of the revelation that, that, that Jesus gives to John are these visions of heaven. Chapters 4 and 5. Chapter 7. Chapter 12. Chapter 14. And then chapter 19 all the way to the end, chapter 22. Just when you've had your fill of suffering and misery, then you're given a glimpse of heaven, a wonderful peek at Jesus, surrounded by the heavenly hosts. Now, the vision that we have today from Revelation chapter 12 is the central heavenly vision in the entire book. And this vision is given by Jesus to John to answer a very substantial question. And it's this. How can the vision of heaven be of such great comfort? Because, after all, we know that the devil is there. Now, we don't think of this that often, that the devil is in heaven. But if we pause and just consider, especially the Old Testament, we'll, we'll come to the, oh yeah, realization that he is. Remember, for example, Job chapter 1. When God summoned all of his angels, the sons of God, he said, we're summoned to appear, to appear before God in heaven. And you know who's among all of these angels that come? The devil himself, remember? And the Lord says to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? He's holy and upright in all of his ways. And the devil says, well, that's just because you've protected him. Now, when we pause to think about that for a, for a little bit, we realize this terrible sort of thing. Uh, in fact, it, it, it might strike us like this. What in the world is the devil doing there? What in the world is the devil doing in heaven? Why is the devil standing in front of God? But this is just what he does. He, in fact, has the name Satan. 
which means accuser. And so the devil stands in heaven accusing, accusing Job and accusing you and accusing I, uh, me, speaking to the Father about all of Job's sins and all of our sins. And this is a frightful thought that the devil himself has the ear of the Father and that he's filling that ear with your sins. Especially when we see that the throne of heaven is a judgment throne and that the Father is sitting on that throne to make judgments and when there is one who's accusing us and being uh, and trying us and that we are the ones who are being accused and tried and that the devil himself is arguing against us. And the worst part of all of this is that the devil is right. He doesn't have to lie to accuse you of sin. You know what you've done. Your thoughts, your words, your actions, your selfishness, your lack of love, your, your anger and violence and lust and greed that infests you, you know it and so does the devil and he is there to make sure that God knows it too and that God acts on it and this is frightful. If this were the vision of heaven, the final vision of heaven that we had, we would be, of all people, despairing. For what is there to do? We are guilty. We deserve God's punishment. We deserve His wrath. And that's it. It's the end of the story. There's nothing we can do. We're stuck. But God isn't. Now, this is the good news. The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are not content to leave you in despair and hand you over to the guilt, uh, to, to guilt and to the devil and to eternal death. God the Father sends His Son to take upon Himself your punishment, to carry away your guilt, to suffer in your place. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's what's happening on the cross. The punishment for your sin. The punishment that you and I deserve is being suffered by God Himself. And the result of that suffering is forgiveness. The result of that suffering on the cross is the blood of Jesus washing away all of your sins. The result of that cross is that the devil now has nothing to accuse you of. He has nothing to say because you are forgiven and there's nothing left. The blood of Jesus means that there is no more room for the devil in heaven anymore. There's nothing for him to say. There's no place for him to sit. He has no authority, no voice. The ear of the Father is closed to him. And that's what Revelation 12 is saying. I'll read it again. Now a war arose in heaven. Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fighting back. But he was defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And so the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who was called the devil, and Satan, the accuser, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and the angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of His Christ have come for the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accused them day and night before God and they have conquered Him. 
by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives even to death. Dear saints, it does not get any better than that. Look at Michael, given the blessed duty of removing the devil from the heavenly throne room. And he fights not with his own strength, but with the blood of Jesus and the victory of the cross. The blood of Jesus comes into heaven like a flood, like a tidal wave, and it washes the devil right out of that place and your sins with it. He no longer stands before God. He no longer has God's ear. He no longer accuses you to the Father. Of course, the devil now is desperate. He has one last thing to do. He he can't gain access to the Father to accuse you there, but He can come to you. He can lie to you. He can tempt you to sin and accuse your conscience and push you back and forth between pride and despair and harden your heart and trouble you with guilt. But look, dear saints, the devil is lost. Jesus is the victor. Oh. All of the sin that the devil brings to you, all of it, every single one of your sins that the devil accuses you of is a forgiven sin. It's a died for sin. It's a covered by the blood of Jesus sin. And now for you, standing before God is not the devil, but Jesus himself who is seated there at God's right hand. And he is not your accuser, but your advocate, your defender, the one who speaks for you, not against you. And he is there defending you and forgiving you and praying for you and blessing you and keeping you safe from the devil. That is glorious. Dear saints, God sits on the throne, on the judgment throne, and you have been judged. In the heavenly throne room, your judgment has taken place. And because of the work of Jesus, because of his death and his resurrection and his ascension to the right hand of God, you have been judged to be innocent, righteous, holy, perfect, acceptable to God and worthy to stand before Him. And there is nothing, absolutely nothing in all of the world that the devil can do about that. Listen to St. Paul reflecting on these very things. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring a charge or an accusation against God's elect? It's God who declares us to be righteous. Who will condemn us? It's Jesus Christ who died and more was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us? From the love of Christ shall tribulation or distress 
or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword. No, in all of these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am sure, absolutely 100% persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers, that's the demons, nor height nor depth nor anything else from in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Dear saints, Jesus has won the victory over the devil for you. And you no longer have a Satan, a devil, a a, a one accusing the father of your sin. You have Jesus and His blood. And He has you. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.